Thanks for checking out a sermon from First United Methodist Church located in Sheridan, Wyoming. To learn more about who we are, please check out our webpage at fumcsheridanwy.org. The scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, and then 44 through 52. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, He went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Would you pray with me? God, I ask that the meditation of my heart and the words in my mouth be pleasing and glorifying to you. Amen. God, admit there was a part of me that when you read, do you understand all of this? I was waiting to hear someone yell, no! What? I, full disclosure, I told someone earlier this week, I wish I would have waited just one more week to come back because then I wouldn't have to preach on this text. Uh, too late, yeah. Here I am with the sermon in front of me. These verses that we hear this morning sure are intriguing. They're interesting. And I think for us, it's, it's hard and difficult to understand what is actually being spoken here because our culture is so far removed from the context and culture that these words were spoken. I don't think that we really quite understand what it's like living underneath a kingdom, underneath the rule or sovereignty of a single individual. 
because we live in a country with freedoms that the early church only dreamed of. Giving us the ability to do what we are doing right this very moment, to gather and to worship together out in the open, not hidden, but public. We live underneath the leadership of someone we vote for. They might not always get in, but we still vote. And they still don't have unchecked power and authority. Kingdoms look very different from the government that we live under. Which is why I think it's so difficult for us to wrestle with these ideas of what a kingdom looks like. So when we hear about the kingdom of heaven, that Matthew uses that phraseology, the kingdom of heaven, we've also heard it called the kingdom of God, and we've also heard it called the kingdom, right? All looking at the same thing. So as we look at these stories, these parables this morning, I feel that it is important for us to wrestle first with the idea of what a kingdom is. So what is a kingdom? A, okay, a group of people in one area ruled under a king. You still with me here, right? You still with me? Yeah, okay. All right. I'm not seeing nodding yet, so that's good. If you look up the word kingdom in the concise Oxford English Dictionary, this is what you find. A country, state, or territory ruled by a king or queen. That's nice. You know what's coming, right? In the Greek, in the Greek, this is the understanding. The act of ruling, especially of God's rule, the royal reign of God. So when we think of kingdom here, what I would invite us to, to think about is that recognition that it is God that is ruling. God's rule, the royal reign of God. So then when we discuss the idea of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom, it is important for us to realize that it is not our kingdom. We do not define what the kingdom looks like. Our culture does not define what the kingdom looks like. God defines what this kingdom is to look like. These verses that we hear today, these parables, I believe that's what they're trying to do. Through these parables that Matthew records, Jesus is trying to help us understand what the kingdom can look like. 
because when we carry our own preconceived notions or our own expectations of what the kingdom needs to look like, most often than not, God's kingdom looks very different. Because again, it's not our kingdom, it's God's. Which is why I entitled the sermon, The Unconventional Kingdom. Because conventional, conventional wisdom is based off of what we typically see done. And the kingdom of God demonstrates to us that it is anything but conventional. So let's take a look at at these parables this morning to see what we can learn about being a part of this unconventional kingdom. The parables that we start off with are based around a mustard seed and yeast. If you find the mustard seed out in the parking lot, I have a dollar for you. Because that's all I have in my wallet. I tried to bring one in, but it's out there somewhere. Good luck. Now the mustard seed produces a plant that is an annual herb. The mustard seed can produce a plant normally between two to six feet. In extraordinary cases, it could be nine to 10 feet. The mustard seed does not produce a tree. Yet what we hear in this parable is about a tree. Let me remind you, what is the purpose of a parable? To teach, for us to learn. It's not so much fact, it's for us to have understanding. One of the commentaries that I read went on and on and on for for paragraphs around how a mustard seed is not a tree and how theologians argue around that little word tree. And I'm reading this going, what? We don't need to argue around the tree. It's a parable, okay? So why is the word tree then used in this parable if a mustard seed does not produce a tree, but an annual plant? So every year it grows. The tree or a tree reflects on the symbolism of the imperial tree that represents the empire. This imagery helps us to understand that the kingdom of God is coming. This parable is trying to help us to understand a deeper truth. This kingdom, this humble, small kingdom in its beginnings, this simple mustard seed, this garden herb, is the symbol of God's power and God's glory 
just like Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey instead of a war horse on Palm Sunday, this mustard seed represents the growing into God's greatness for the kingdom of heaven. Something with humble beginnings growing into something great. Jesus tells us another parable using yeast. Now, this parable would have gotten the hearer's ears to perk up because it would surprise them. Because typically, yeast was used as a symbol for corruption in Jewish tradition. And so Jesus here shifts the narrative around yeast and associates it with something positive. We hear about this woman making, making bread. It's easy for us to just sort of go past how much bread she's making. Anyone know how much bread this woman is making? Good. That's why I'm here. Three measures is about 10 gallons. This woman is making enough bread for 100 to 150 people. Now, when we hear in the uh, New Revised Standard Version, when we hear that the yeast was mixed in, we get a little bit of a different translation or understanding than what is actually there in the Greek. The word that we translate for mixed can also be translated hidden. And so this woman is hiding the yeast in the flour. When we start to allow this parable to then reflect inside of us, this gives us the idea that the kingdom at this moment is hidden. It's hidden now, but will be revealed later. God is present now, however, still hidden. The coming of the kingdom will help represent and reveal the king, God for who God is. I love this imagery because it reminds us that God is at work even though we cannot exactly see the work that is being done. God being hidden as the yeast in the flower, preparing for a kingdom with a large feast. Two down. Still with me? The other ones I'm not going to be as precise with. You're welcome. The next parables we hear talk about treasure and fine pearls. These parables have a common connection between the two of them. The central character of each one of these stories goes and sells everything they have for the sake of purchasing just one thing. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is the pearl. 
we realize that sometimes we find the kingdom by running across it. Sometimes we find the kingdom because we are seeking it out. However, when we find it, we realize that we need to leave the old behind to step into the new. When we sit in this place with these words, they invite us to reconsider our personal values. Do we see the kingdom of heaven with this level of value that we are willing to go and sell all that we have to be a part of it? Are we willing to surrender all that we are so that we may live in the kingdom? These two parables help us understand that the kingdom of heaven is more more than all the money or possessions that we could ever desire or accumulate because being a part of the kingdom is life's greatest treasure. Now, Jesus concludes with these two last parables, one of a dragnet and one with old and new treasure, helping us to see that this kingdom that that he is talking about, that Jesus is talking about, is available to all. For a dragnet will sweep up everything in its path. Not everyone will choose to be a part of the kingdom. And the king has the last word. But God is God, and we are not. Amen? Amen. amen. All right. Now, now, I know that I just shamed you into saying amen. Amen. Uh, that if you agree with that statement, you say amen. And, and if you don't, that's okay. You're, you don't have to agree with everything that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> these parables, these last two parables help us to see that something new is happening. What does that mean? That we look, that does not, oh, sorry, that does not mean that we look poorly on the past. I think sometimes we like to try and look poorly on the past. And there are some things in the past that, that we should look poorly on. Uh, however, it doesn't mean that we look poorly on the past. Treasure is found in both places, in the old and in the new. What is happening now is not simply a repeat of the past, but this kingdom is going to look different from what was before. However, it's going to use the old treasures along with the new treasures to help proclaim the kingdom of heaven. All of that, all of these parables, all of this coming to us for us to reflect on them, for us to, to take a step back and to think about what the kingdom of heaven looks like what the kingdom of heaven looks like within us. I would encourage you to continue to reflect on these parables and, and allow them to, to wash over you and teach to you. I just have one question. Is the church the kingdom of heaven? I, I see some heads shaking, no. No one's going to say yes. 
You ready for me to answer that? Yes. The only way that I can answer that is sometimes. Sometimes. There are moments where the the church, lowercase c, church universal, lives into the idea of the kingdom of heaven. And there are moments where we get it utterly wrong. The kingdom is not here yet. Sometimes we live by kingdom values and sometimes we don't. But like the seed and the yeast, the kingdom perseveres because God is acting, because God is working, because God is God. With a desire for the kingdom to grow and flourish, and sometimes, despite the church, lowercase c, church universal. I believe that our challenge this morning is for us to reflect on our connection to our king and to think about where our treasure lies. Is the kingdom of heaven treasured in our hearts? Do we allow our lives to be defined by our king and not our culture? I think that these are some of the hardest questions for us to think about and consider. Because if you're anything like me, there are moments, whether fleeting or not, moments where God's love shines through fully. And there are moments, there are moments, just ask the pianist, when it doesn't. One thing that I know is that God is active. God is working in us corporately and individually because God loves us and desires for us to be a part of the kingdom that will come to complete fruition. God is calling us to be part of this unconventional kingdom, to treasure this kingdom, to proclaim this kingdom by our actions and our values. May we do it each and every day as we strive to listen, to follow, and to love God with our whole being. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for inviting us to be a part of your kingdom. Help us. Help us to make your values our values. Help us to treasure you in our hearts so that we may show who you are and the grace that you have for us and this world. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We would love for you to join us again for worship in person or online, and we look forward to being with you next time.